Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the corner where the treats. Is is this the the passing of the torch, right? Is this what this signifies? It comes down to that that front office and what they feel is most important. The champ is here. We've touched down from a higher plane. Why you made it here? We always look forward to that week because it was always intense. You know that we ain't coming back. We got to the man, the myth, the legend, Dante Hall. My 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 favorite player growing up was Dante Hall. I love you guys and show, but Dante was my guy. Get to dashing because you done on the war feet. This episode of Chief Concerns is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And we're back in Better Than Ever, a new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50 that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome to the Chief Concerns. I'm here with our host, former tight end Jason Dunn and former quarterback Eric Warfield. Tonight, we actually have a little bit of a, a different look, if you guys can't tell. Um, we have, we're, we're graced to have Kansas City Public Network's founder, Gracie Terrell. Also, I mean, everyone knows her on uh, Twitter as the Notorious GAT. Gracie, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you guys so much for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on. We needed something to spice up things. You know, we had a bad weekend against the Bengals. Uh, I didn't mean to uh, erupt this bad uh, thread that we had that turned into something with Native Americans and, and whatever. Oh my gosh, it, Twitter, come on. Went completely south, but you know, we got what we wanted. Uh, we got you on the show and we're excited to have you on. Thank you so much. I had no idea that that many people wanted to hear from me uh, in that regard. I was like kind of taking the winter slow. The kids just went back to school. I'm like, all right, just getting back into the work mode. I'm like, all right, let's do it. So I appreciate it. Yeah, you. I mean, you was you was pretty much on everybody's list. I mean, I, when I, <laughs> that, so I was like, oh, wow. And so when I seen the uh, the meme with you with the Undertaker coming oh, up, yeah. <laughs> I resisted wearing my uh, Degeneration X shirt on. I felt that was a little too aggressive. So <laughs> I thought I thought it was funny too because you know Chiefs Kingdom on Twitter really doesn't agree that often with each other. So it's funny that most people were agreeing with uh, with you coming on the show. So I thought I thought that was yeah. cool. that was a small Christmas Happy New Year miracle. So I appreciate it. <laughs> But you know what? Also, too, was just encouraging that we had a lot of good feedback, you know, from people wanting to come on. And I, and I think that's you know sometimes this thing is needed, you know. And, and actually, you're not the first uh, uh, female uh, guest that we had on. We had a, a Fatima Figueroa. Yeah, right? you had you guys went international. I was like, what is this? This is incredible. Look at yeah, that. Yeah. My sister-in-law, you know. So I yes, love it. 
And she's Fatima. She's she's fiery. She loves everything about the Chiefs. And I loved her story about how she just was picking up football to like be a better girlfriend. And I'm like, that's exactly, you know, I picked up football and talking about sports from my dad, grew up in a rugby household, but I would grow up listening to 810 and I'm like, this stuff hurts my head. Can we please stop listening to sports radio? And then in 2014, <laughs> I got a random DM from uh, Steven St. John and he's like, who are you? You have a smart mouth. And it was on Twitter and it's been from then, you know, just that sphere of nonstop social media. But when people always complain about it, I'm like, I think it's a great place because you can interact with people. I don't, I don't think former players really understand the depth of how much Chiefs fans really want all the stories, all the information. They want to know about you guys. They want to know about what it was like. And I think it's great when former players come out and start kind of taking over the media space. That's who everyone wants to hear from, not people who didn't play the game. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, Twitter in itself is a great platform, like you said, just to kind of, you know, come out and meet, you know, you know, fans or one other game. And, and just for me, I'll just say this, like, it, like kind of reaching out and getting on Twitter because I had no idea what it was about. My kids were trying to tell me, dad, get on Twitter. This and I'm like, yeah, you know, I, look, I don't even, I'm not even on Facebook. And so <laughs> I, I just, I, I would presented it for a long time. And once I got on, I, I just started like kind of poking fun. It was good to kind of, you know, just step your head into the, into the picture step out of the universe a little bit. So that, that, I, I definitely agree with you on that. I mean, and you can't tell a story of chief concerns without social media. I mean, that's how we, we, we you know, we have this fun and friendship because of social media. So that's, uh, you know, social media is a special place to this, uh, the show. So Gracie, what's your story? Um, you I Kansas started City? Kansas city, born and raised, went to Shawnee mission East, uh, was really active in lacrosse, which is not a common sport here. So I didn't really do much, um, in athletics here in Kansas city, but then I got older, went to K state. I uh, came back home when I had my daughter and I was working in mortgages and I hated it uh, and I was not good at it. And so I realized I'm like, this is not where I want to be. And, you know, fast forward, I started a sports blog, kind of like everybody does. I feel like everyone has a blog or a podcast right now, but it's about your message. And there was not a lot of women in sports um, at the time in Kansas City. And so I went on to be Kansas City's first uh, host of the all-female sports show on 810 and ESPN Kansas City. And that was a really cool moment because I'm like, it took this long in 2017 to like get to like where fem women have their own show. And I was met with nothing but encouragement. So I know there's horror stories about women being in sports media, but I kind of looked at it as an advantage. And that's why I feel like it kind of just took off from there. But um, I had the opportunity to work with NFL marketing for a while too. And I got to know the business side of the sport. And I'm like, wow, fans don't really realize how much goes into it. I mean, if a quarterback with a contract hands off the ball on a game winning thing to a running back that has a contract coming up, then they have to figure out who they're gonna pay first. And it's like little things like that where I didn't understand the business of it as much. And I encourage all fans to really kind of know what the players go through, even post-career uh, as well, just to really understand the game more. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, you know, and a lot of that, is like you were just saying before, you know, a lot of people don't know what happens behind the scenes, you know, just our lives and whatnot. Everybody sees us on Sunday playing. It's just mm -hmm. like, hey, you know, that's all we need to know. But there's just so much more to it. There's so much more yeah. to it. Absolutely. Yeah, those, so those, those little incentives are crazy too. I'll tell you a crazy story. Uh, back when uh, I don't know if you were there or not, JD, but um, we had James Hastings on, on the squad at the time, and one of our players had an incentive to reach if he played a certain amount of uh, amount of plays. And I don't know if it was a I can't remember if it was the last game of the season or what, but um, Allen came out and tried to take the helmet because the guy wasn't supposed to go in anymore. 
So James Hasty was like, nah, uh we're not having that. And so the GM comes out and was like, what's going on? We got this feud going on on the sideline. And James had already knew what was uh, was, was trying to go on, was trying to happen. It was like, they're trying to rob, take his incentives from him. I don't know if it was you know, like, if we were like uh, above or beyond the cap or what, uh, but they needed that money. So they tried to come take his helmet. And Hayes was like, no, this is not happening. So Carl That's Peterson wild. came to the sideline. Yeah, it was crazy. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Man, every time you see that, all these things come up. And we've seen it this past week when they talked about, like, you know, AB and this old deal, you know, with the, you know, just incentive-based contracts, how important it is. But, you know, I, I look, a guy – Everybody should push for a guy to get his money, especially if he's that close. But if you see something where it's purposeful, bringing a guy out and just about like, look, you know, you got a few more plays, but nah, hey, you're done. Absolutely not. And so everybody on the on the sideline, and, and that's just who Hasty is, right? Just by yeah. playing for a couple of years, you know, he's he's that rep. He's like, no, 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 this guy's gonna get it. No, that's that's a great story. But I hate hearing things like that. It's just one of those things that bad part of the business about football. Did you sit there and say, man, it's just a commodity? You know, are they being, you know, stingy with their money? You know, not trying to play this guy if he needs two more catches or, like you said, yeah. two more plays or wherever he's at and the percentage-wise, where is he, you know, getting his uh, his money, man? I just it, – it's just – it's mind-boggling just to hear it and just to see it that these things go on. And that's it's just some of the things, like you said, we just don't – people just don't quite see. They don't know that. And so, you know, if, if you are relying on that to, to feed your family, put money – you know, food on your table and you're looking, you're like, look, I'm that close to getting it. Yeah. I, matter of fact, I would talk about that. I'll bring it out in the media. Like, listen, you know what? Hey, we won the game, but guess what? I was two plays to getting a half a million dollars and they didn't let me do it. So <laughs> you talk about that too. After yeah, the week. That's a big moment. Definitely. Yeah. I can, I, I can totally see James doing that too. Just having him on our show, just kind of hearing how outspoken he is. I can totally see him. Doing oh yeah. That. I'd actually love that. I've watched that. I have him be a fly on the wall during that. <laughs> Um, so last week we started off the show talking about John Madden. Um, and sadly this week, uh, we lost another coach, um, former coach, of, of, of you guys actually, uh, uh, defensive coordinator, Greg Robinson, um, just quick takeaways and, um, just stories that you want, you want to tell about, uh, coach G Rob, you know, Greg was a great guy. You know, it just, uh, for whatever reason, his defenses were a bit complicated for, for certain individuals, uh, even at at the Broncos, they did well in certain areas, but they suffered, uh, I think, in the running game. So the passing game was pretty good when they were there. Uh, and then so also when he brought that same defense to to Kansas City, uh, I think we were leading the league in turnovers. So we were doing well uh, a lot in, in the passing game. But I think we were giving up like 200 plus yards uh, rushing, which was crazy. And uh, so, so things weren't just they, they didn't work out. When he got to Kansas City, and uh, you know, say can't say anything bad about him. It's just that for the personnel that he had when we were in Kansas City, it just didn't work to to complement what he brought to the table. But other than that, Greg was a great guy, uh, young, uh, seventy years old, gone today. Uh, you know, you take your hat off. But uh, I think I brought this up last week, and you know, uh, the older we get, the more death we do see, and that's the sad part of of uh, trying to enjoy life. Uh, because you see so many people that are close to you uh, that, that leave this earth. So, uh, so you can't take things for granted, you know, love and love on each and every individual that you can as much as possible, especially the ones that are close to you. 
Okay. Uh, I, I'm just not hearing about it. Y'all saying this is the first I've heard of this. Seriously. Oh, you didn't know? Yeah. I had no idea. I had no idea. I'm sitting over looking it up. Y'all talking about it. I'm like, what? I, I'm serious. Yeah. You know, I just, you know, I've been so busy today. I mean, that's just, you know, everyday life, man. But I, I'm just hearing this about G-Rob. Um, that's, that's sad news. Absolutely sad news. And, 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 you know, whatever you say about him as far as, you know, his defenses and stuff like that. Uh, and I know what, you know, Eric's talking about as far as, you know, some of it, like the difficulty is defense. And I think a lot of it had to just do with personnel, trying to fit, you know, personnel of what you're trying to do with scheme. Uh, didn't quite work in Kansas City like you like he wanted it to. Uh, but his personality was always just uplifting and bright, enjoyable. Always a good, great guy to talk to. You know, just seeing his face. I always just remember G-Rob. You know, I, you see like younger guys, I mean, we're relatively young, I, I would think, having that silver hair. He kind of like it, one of those like Hollywood good hair look. You know, that's, that's who G-Rob was. You know, so he was uh, he was just a really just kind of a, a, a good guy, a really good guy. You know, so uh, I know some of his talks he used to bring get up in, in the meetings to talk about. He had, you know, a few different things. And we kind of talked about some of the things he would say in meetings. Uh, and he uh, I don't know, man, I, I'm sitting over here. I'm just I'm, I'm just blown away. I'm blown away. Uh, 70 years old. That's young. That's young. Um and, and like you said, man, we, you, as of course, how these things go, we get older, these things going to happen. And you, you kind of wonder about coaches. Like I said, John Madden, when he passed away, I, you know, I wonder where he was doing, where he's been at. And these guys, man, it, it just, you know, it's just so sad just to see these things and hear these things. Uh, but G-Rob, man, uh, you know, rest in peace, man, you know, for him and his family. Um, my condolences go out to him and, and, like I said, man, he was just a good guy. He was a really good guy. And so he's going to be missed. He's going to be missed. Sad to hear it. Really sad. Man. Yeah, some some blows to the NFL community over the last week. You know, Coach uh, Dan Reeves, John Madden, um, yeah. and then now Coach Robinson. And, you know, obviously I, I didn't know him like you guys did, but, like, seeing just – you know, as, as fans, you see head coaches get press conferences when they, when they fire and get rid of coaches. It's usually very stone cold, right? And I remember that this as a little kid, I remember watching uh, Coach Ramil's press conference when they let Coach Robinson go. And I remember the waterworks. I know it's it, very easy for Coach Ramil to, to, to cry and you know, let loose of his uh, emotions, but you don't usually see head coaches cry when they get rid of their uh, a, a guy on their staff. And that's usually generally a thing. So obviously, Coach Robinson was probably a, a really good dude. And based on that reaction yeah. that Coach Ramil gave. So. Well, well, I'll say this, man. You know, the thing is, and it's kind of talking behind the scenes is, you know, it's a guy you go to work with every single day, you know, that you interact with and, you know, you're having a conversation, personal conversations with. And so that's the thing about it. Sometimes coaches are not really like put on a pedestal with, you know, as, as far as on our, in our league, you know, we, you know, everybody has families. And matter of fact, you're spending time at the facility with those guys, the coaches and the players, sometimes more than you do your family. You know, by the time you get home, you know, it's time for the kids to eat and go to bed. And that's that's it. Next day, same thing. You get, you know, your other family comes in and you, you talk to them, you interact with them. And so, like, seeing somebody, man, every single day like that, man, it, it I mean, it, it's personable, you know, and that's the thing about it, man. It's just, you know, it, it, and just, like I said, some of the conversations and, and the depth of them uh, is, is really the thing that, that gets you, that's shocking, you know, because when you start going back through your memory of, you know, the person's, you know, I, I can hear his voice. You know, I know he can hear me because, he you know, he was a defensive coordinator. So he was any, you know, more than I was as far as, like, meaning-wise, but just his interaction every single day on the field, you know, going to the meetings, talking to him, you know, at, you know, the, in the training table, all those different things. I mean, that's just, you know, it's like 
That's why I said he just kind of hit me because I didn't know. I was like, what? It's just, you know, it's always sad to hear those things. And, and like he said, more than, more importantly, it's so important, man, to just love everybody while we can. Uh, every interaction, just appreciate it for what it is. Uh, don't take it for granted, you know, because they could be gone tomorrow, man. So, man. Now, uh, somber moment here, but uh, kind of transition into um, our Chiefs. Um, so uh, tonight, obviously, Eric kind of alluded to it—the uh, the kind of depressing loss on uh, Sunday. Um, our first concern of the night is kind of talking about that game on Sunday. Our guys fell to the Cincinnati Bengals in a heartbreaker, thirty-four to thirty-one. Um, after having time to sit back and evaluate, and also look on Chiefs uh, on Chiefs Kingdom's Twitter. Um, who would you say is more to blame for this? Because there's a lot of blame to go around. Everyone's blaming Spags, the referees, um, you know, second half play calling. But who would you kind of place the blame on? Um, and Gracie, we'll let you uh, begin this one. Yeah, I, I've been the one on Twitter to call out refs. I've been on the one on Twitter to call out coaches. I've been the one on Twitter to call out individual players, but not really for the last five years or so. Um, I really, truly believe that this was a joint effort on not only the refs, but also Spags, because if you cannot adjust, like we just lived through the Bob Sutton era where there is not a lot of adjustment. There is not a lot of um, playing without ego. And I feel like it was just a combination of Spags not wanting to let go of the blitz. I don't know if he's just absolutely married to that style of defense constantly. And we've kind of seen that happen over a few games, but I, I question a lot of the inability to adjust. And I would rather learn this lesson now then later on in the playoffs, but at the same time, yeah. it was painful to watch. Like uh, when Patriots fans are also yelling about the refs and they said it was too bad to watch, I'm like, this is strange. And then Bengals fan, I, even Joe Burrow himself was like, well, we got a lot of calls and that should have been a huge indicator right there where the game was. So uh, I'm not sure what it's like to play in Cincinnati. Uh, I feel like that crowd was very energetic and very amped up and the better they get, the more like fired up they are. Um, so I don't know how much of an influence that was. It seemed to be a little bit of an influence, but mostly it was Spags and the refs equally, I feel like, took the cake on this one. Yeah. You know what? It, to me, um, I think the flags were a, a bit excessive there at the end. Outside of that, I think we as a team uh, kind of lost it in the second half. Um I don't know at what point. To me, it seemed like when Tariq missed that ball going into halftime, offensively, we just didn't get on track. And I'm not saying he's the reason, but right. it's just like after that one pass, that he just dropped, you know, potential three, seven points going into the half. Uh, we just didn't, like, we didn't care. We didn't want to put our foot, like, as we used to say, put our foot on their neck um, to just keep going out, putting points up. I don't know if we got too confident that we could just go out and score because we were putting up points so. Uh, so easily early, uh, and we thought that we could, you know, keep the lead. Um, but offensively, I was a bit disappointed to see that we only came out with three points in that second half. Defensively, yes, we did not make adjustments. I agree that Spags showed a bit of his uh, cockiness where he's going to continue with his defense, not thinking that it was uh, it was going to come back to bite him in the ass the way it did to have one player uh, just go out and thrash us for as, as many yards as, as Chase did. So uh, the third and 27 is what hurt me the most. You don't go to an all-out blitz and put a guy, you know, one-on-one -on -one that, hell, he's had a great game. You know, every pass gone his way has been a big completion. So why even take the chance? 
You know, if, if worst come worst, you go cover two, let them get the short play, make the tackle, they get a field goal. But I guess you want to go for an all-out blitz to knock them out of field goal range. Yet, if they throw it up for grabs, you're either going to get a pass interference, of which it seemed like the rest were throwing a lot of flags, or you're going to get a big play out of Chase, um, out of Jamar Chase, which is what ended up happening and costing us seven points at the game and a lot of clock burn off, the, uh, a lot of time burn off the clock. So it was just bad defensive play. It was bad offensive play. Um, I don't really want to blame the rest because if we get in situations to where we see things on the from the from a perspective on on TV and we want those things called. But if we're not calling all those things, then we're complaining that we're not getting the calls. So at some point, we got to be, I guess, somewhat okay with what the refs are doing. They're human. They're gonna have. They're not gonna make every uh, call correct. Um, you know, can uh, Dean was it Blandino? Is that his name or the other guy that's the professional guy that they usually talk to uh, once the play has happened? You know. It, I would like it better if they could just call one of those guys in New York, say, hey, you know, reverse this call or do that call, yada, 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 instead of just having the refs go to it and seeing the same thing. Because I know it kind of bites at their egos when they have to go back and correct a call that they made, um, you know, from what they've seen on the field. So, again, they're human. If we complain about having too many and then we don't get enough in the next game, we're going to complain about that. So, at that point, we just have to go out and play, you know, best ball we can. And not really care what the team is. Shit, we had a chance to get home field advantage, uh, lock up the AFC West and all of this. And now we're sitting here, you know, depending on another team, uh, Houston, to beat uh, Tennessee in order for all this to happen for us. So we just need to take care of our own problems. Yeah, I, I like how you, you kind of put the question is Spags or the, the refs, you know, uh, I, I thought that was interesting because I was just like, oh, wow. When I, I was like, okay. Uh, those two. So I, I and I, I believe it, uh, it. It's a combination of a lot of different things, a lot of different factors. And this was a, this without a doubt was a team loss. It, it was. And I think you know really when you when you kind of look at it, and I feel like Eric did. You know, down the stretch, fourth quarter, third quarter, there was a lot of ticky tack calls. But yeah, you know what? There was some I was like, yeah, hey, okay, I can see that. I can see the flag on on some you know some of these calls, right? And like you said, you, some of these things you can't quite weigh out. Like, I know we want every call. I mean, it's just not going to work in a game. And so sometimes call works our way, sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes it made the call, sometimes they don't. But my, my thing is, uh, you know, offensively, it, it's all about rhythm. I mean, it really is. And so what he said, just kind of alluding to what he said about, you know, end of the half with Tariq missing that ball. You know, when you go in and you score, that is like, okay, now you could just kind of – there's something that you could go ahead and, and build off of coming in the second half. And so when you come out second half, you don't start, you know, with the ball in your hand. It's about getting into a rhythm. And the second half, we just didn't get into it. It was a lot of – look, same thing. Missed balls, not getting the first down, uh, not sustaining the drive was the problem. That's an issue. And so another thing, too, is if, if Cincinnati's doing things and, of course, calls coming in where they're able to sustain drives and, you know, making some plays. And I, I, I kind of went back and just looked over things – with some good calls on that part. And and like he said, man, that third and 27, I think we all kind of text each other like, man, what are you doing? But here's the thing with Spags. I think Spags had a pretty decent plan because what you do is you want to create pressure on the, on, on the quarterback. And Joe Burrow is a good quarterback, right? So he's a young guy. So the thing is you throw him off by, of course, look, I don't want to try to cover guys all around the field. You know, with those three guys you have, those three monsters on the outside, 
you don't want to cover those guys all day. So the thing is, I want to make sure that I'm trying to cover, you know, call a blitz and hit home. Now, some of the blitzes he was calling, we were missing. There was one that Joe Burrow spun out of. We had it. There was a tackle and he completely missed it. There was a lot of missed tackles out there, too. I watched the whole second half of the field. There was a lot of missed tackles. So defense didn't do well tackling, but also, too, like we, if we go into that third and 27 play, absolutely. Got to call either cover two or, you know, cloud coverage. And I just don't understand why you don't do it, why you don't double me. It, it, to me, it just didn't make any sense, right? Because the, the worst the worst case scenario, right? Well, we'll take it besides him scoring a touchdown is, well, he's short getting the, you know, the first down. Man, you, you, you regulate him to like a long field goal, right? Which you want him to do, especially kind of in the wind, it's cold. You know, you have a better chance of doing that. So you, you play it safe. Don't call the blitz. Sit back all the way. Make sure you cover deep. Doesn't do that. You call a blitz, doesn't hit home, and then it's like, oh, my gosh, this, this is the worst possible thing you could possibly do. And so it just didn't really make any sense. It did, to me, it didn't make any sense on that play. I think Spags, but he was, you know, because you got to go in confident with your game plan. You do. And I think he was confident in, with the guys, what they've been doing for the past few weeks. I, I get that. I get that part of it. Spags is trusting his guys. And I trust them, too. I trust the secondary. Well, you know, it didn't quite work. Jamar Chase is eating, eating everybody's lunch up. He's taking names. Everybody, he's sitting over there, I got him, I got him, I got him. And it just happened that day. You know what they – You know, Danny, it was a lot of one-on-one stuff. Now, I've seen Randy Moss, you know, take the yeah. top off of most defense that he played against. Right. Randy was going against double team. That's a different – that's a different defense, but that's a different breed of an animal, too, in Randy Moss. Absolutely. Chase was not, Chase was not beating double teams. No. If a dude's got 200 yards on you, double team him at some point. You know, even on that third and 27, I don't think we got the ball back after that because once they converted that, all they had to do was just run the clock. Just run run the ball, run the clock out. Right. So if they go for the – we get the tackle, we at least get the ball back, give ourselves a chance. Yeah. Now, I agree, I, I agree with you, right? And, and the thing is, I'm not going to put Jamar Chase in, in Randy Moss's – you know, I, I don't no, want to – No, not even close. Right? So, you know, Randy Moss, we know we're going in. We're doubling as soon as we come in, you know, on the field. He comes out warm-up, we're doubling him warm-up. So <laughs> – that's why I look at with Randy Moss. Jamar Chase, absolutely. You double him, especially in a situation like that. Like, that's situational football. And to me, Spags failed on that situation. He failed in that situation. Now, the other plays when I was sitting there and we was calling, because remember we was talking about a sourcing, not coming over the top. On that one play for Jamar Chase, who was running up the sideline. And so when I was sitting over looking at it, I, mean, I was looking at the, the, the coaches thing, there, there was no route that was really holding him to that, that, the hash. It wasn't. So he knows oh, at that moment, E, and right, we yeah, talked about it. Was just, it was blown coverage. That's all it was. Yeah. But, you know, we, I know me and you both was like looking at him like, man, what are you doing? Like, you know you have cloud coverage. You know you're over the top. There's nothing there that should be able to hold you. You know, uh, uh, Tyron Matthew was down in in, in uh, the, the linebacker box, right? He has flat. You know, maybe uh, he's probably doing, you know, hook to curl, you know what I'm saying, to maybe C route, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's got to get over the top. Go, come on, man. What are you doing? Like, seriously, right? And so I think it was like that, things like that, plays that shouldn't have happened, that they hit on, right? Plays that Spags called, like the blitz that didn't hit on. And I don't think sometimes there's some things you just weren't physical enough. You know, and oh, yeah. just, you know it just, it, it was a bad defensive play, I think, just kind of all around. But also, too, we don't, you know, the thing goes to offense, second half, not establishing that rhythm to get these things out. And that, that's on the coaches as well. You know, look, and I, 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 I'm right with Andy. When you first see it, 
you just upset because you see the plays and you see the flags coming out, and it's absolutely maddening to see these things called, right? Because, look, we know all game, there's calls that you probably could have called pass interference and you didn't, right? But why, why is it now something like this that, is, that you know is going to be probably the outcome of the game? You, you're calling it, and there's no reason to. So I, I just had to say that, man. But I, I'll say this, though. Hats off to them holding them uh, right there on the goal line. Right. Because everybody was talking about different scenarios and whatnot. But I think the defense did a stellar job of just actually blowing their backs up. It's like, look, we are not going to let you score. And so I thought about it, too. Somebody was like, oh, man, let them get a touchdown. No, no, don't let them get a test. Why? For what? Why would you want them to do that? Right. If you've been holding them, you could you continue to hold them. Then fine. It was just that last one where they called it the uh, pass interference. I was just like, that, that was it. That was the game. They did a good job, man. You had to reward those guys in that, in, 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 especially in that situation. Uh, and I was, I was, my, I, I thought they did a, a tremendous job, especially in that last series. You know, just so, keeping. So, Gracie, out. how how much of a uh, how much of football do you know? Do you know? A lot of the coverages. The- I do mostly because when you jump into that arena and you don't know it, you get eaten alive. So I've even, I didn't get the football for dummies book, but I did uh, in 2015, I got this book that was a breakdown of every single college play that was called that year. And it was incredible I- because college, I feel like has upped the game a little bit because you see these younger coaches coming in from college and uh, Cliff Kingsbury is a perfect example. And you see a lot more diversity on offense and you see all these like fast moves and these trick plays. And like still my favorite of all time was the Hungry Pig right with Don Tari Poe. And it's just like the Air Poe. But it's like those kind of things are great for fans, but it's like um, a lot of what you learn is the fundamentals and the basics. And it's like, if you don't know Wildcat, what does that mean? I'm like, I went to K-State. Are they calling like, is this a K-State thing? What is going on? And it's like, you really yeah. do have to adapt to it. Uh, growing up with rugby was a lot different than football because there are no rules besides don't pass forward and try to stay alive. Um, and that's kind of the style I've always been into. And fullback is my favorite position. I've loved fullbacks for as long as I can remember. And that's what I love is the classic, like gritty football. And so I think that what we saw is so much rules in football now. It's like almost they can't relax and have fun. And so I feel like that also dampens their play style because we're not going to see the fast moving, fun college style because there's a paycheck on the line. There's huge amounts of pressure on the line. And there's three chains of command before they even, you know, know what they're going to be doing when they run in. But I think it's incredible to go back and watch Chiefs breakdown film from like Twitter people because I get to see different perspectives. But truly, unless you sit down with athletes and like really understand the game and go to football camps, that's where I was. Um, I used to call high school football for 810. And then I would go um, and organize football camps for the players. And so then I would spend all day long with O-line guys and D-backs and they would be teaching all these kids. And that's where I really learned the most with hands-on experience and watching them go through the drills. But I definitely get overwhelmed still with the play calls. And it's like, I'm finally seeing the formations um, when I like right before I'm like, oh, hey, I think I know what they're going to do. And that's a cool <laughs> kind of flex to be like, I think I'm aware of it. But I know obscure sports knowledge more than anything. So so if you want me to coach, probably not. But if you need me to, like, recall some strange information, I got you. Nice. Listen, look, I, I could tell right now by the attitude, you could definitely be a coach. I love <laughs> For real. I can see it. I can, I can hear the, the tone in your voice. Hey, like, don't get me started. Little league sports are already intense enough for me. I'm already out there, like, getting a little too fluffed up. And I'm like, all right, you got to go out there and hit them. It's like, it's flag football. Chill. I'm, all right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, so what, what did you think as far as, you know, that, that last series, you know, on the third and 27, what did you necessarily see? You know, what was your, you know, I, Whew, I was having flashbacks almost it, like you guys talked about how these games that we see where they don't adjust and they have these deficiencies and the two halves look like totally different teams. I, I was having flashbacks to last year and I'm like, is there injuries? Is, but like, you got to remember with the O-line, I guess you look at the injuries right before the game and with Orlando Brown and Yang. I've been that person since I was a little kid when people were talking crap on the quarterbacks. I'm out there like, well, have you looked at the O-line? Have you gone there? Because if we don't have somebody protecting our $500 million man and giving him the time, and not that he needs time, he's great all over the field, which I think is an anomaly and it's so fun to watch. Um, you, you need to give him the time and we need to make sure yeah. that we're actually protecting him. That's what I was so nervous about, but like the O-line kind of held their own this game and gave him time. And it was a lot of miscommunication, I feel like. And you guys said it, the mojo was not there. The confidence wasn't there going into half, you know, going into, I don't know what it's like going into half and having like a slip up right there at like what happens in the locker room. But I feel like there's pep talks and there's, there's moments that they're like, okay, we can regroup. But then they were cold because they had to watch Joe Burrow march down the field and destroy us so it's like when did we really get the advantage to be warmed up and ready to go right no then yeah. and you know you, when you go in especially offense you know you missed an opportunity you know you did and so you you could easily put your you know your, your field goal kicker in a way to get three points i mean that that would have did wonders for the team as far as mentally you know saying like look man you know what these guys can't keep up with us and so especially if you know when they coming out with the ball to, at the half you know that's that tone being set before, you know, you go in at the half is is so key, it's so important. Oh, especially and it's at their their place too. Their place, yeah. You know, we we get we get that completion. We get three or seven points out of that. I think you know it's an easy win. Yeah, but yeah. you know you don't you don't take advantage of the uh, of, of of what's given, and you get an easy catch that you know bounces off your shoulder pads instead of you catch it with your hands. And all of a sudden, it's like we go in and it's kind of somber. It's like, okay, what happened? Are we pointing fingers? Are we blaming it on him? Do we do we talk about the yardages that Chase is already, you know, eating us up for? So uh, I think we could have that could have been all overshadowed because we would have gone in with much more <coughs> enthusiasm with a big play, some extra points. Uh, but yet we go in, it's like, okay, they've gotten in the rhythm. They put the last amount of points on the board. Uh, we're at their place. We got to find something to get us, you know, to spark us, to get us back on it. And all of a sudden they come up the first drive and score and we just never got back on track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think, I think Tyreek needs to look into uh Nike gloves right now. He's wearing grip boost, which is like his, his, it's like his own brand because he, you know, they, they have the peace sign on him. I think he needs to go to Nike or a uh, cutter, uh, cutter gloves. Maybe. I don't know. That's, mm-hmm. an, that's an underrated blame. People aren't, people aren't talking about <laughs> underrated. I love it. <laughs> Cutters, man, you can put oil on them jokers and, and water, and you can still catch anything. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> um, I, I, you guys kind of alluded to it. So today, uh, the pre, uh, the presser respect said that he was treating the third and twenty seven like it was a third and six, and he just wanted a complete pass. Um, that's I mean, that's one thing. As you guys talk about it, that, that's what he said. He was treating like a third and six, which obviously want to play situationally. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I was looking at one. But even if it's third and six, though, it's, you know, we, we go all out blitz. He doesn't even hold the ball long. He just throws it up for grabs. You know, yeah. his guy who was hot that day made the play. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, before you go to Jay, so I even made a comment on, on Twitter with Patrick Sertan, and Patrick was like, 
You know, man, if, if I had heard the defensive coordinator call an all-out blitz and this guy is hot, I would have cussed him out myself and changed it to a cover two and ran a cover two. You know, sometimes you can do that. I don't know if Ward and those guys over there on defense, you know, have that kind of, uh, I, I don't know, bravo about themselves to, to, to bulk up and say, hey, I don't think that's the right defense for us. You know, especially when he's, it's not that we can't cover my shit. Some people just have a, a good day. So it, it's just their day. You know, Kobe putting up 81. What can you do? You know, Derrick Henry running for 200 plus. What can you do? It's like his day. Um, so I think that there's a lot of ways we can help ourselves, though. And the coordinator calling the right calls is going to be able to help us with that. Yeah. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You, you can just call your own play? You, you, no. So, just want help over five or okay. I'm, I'm wondering. So if I know, if I knew Spag was calling the all-out blitz on a third and twenty-seven, I'm a, I'm the guy that's coming up there man to man. Right, right. I'm in a bad position because man to man, I don't have any help. It's all-out blitz. You yeah. have no help. Right. So this dude is already hot. Throw it up for grabs. Offensively, you're going to get a, a pass interference, or you're going to make the play. Mm-hmm. So. Especially if you see a guy up, bump, up, bump, and run. If he's playing off, he has a better chance because they're probably going to throw the slant, hoping he can get the extra yards. But he was up in press, man. So, hell, that's the best situation you can ask for if you're offense. Okay. All right. I was, I was just going to say, you know, asking somebody to come over the top, you just like, look, coach, I didn't hear the call. You know, I'll pass over the top, man. I, I didn't hear the, all that blitz. I heard something. But I wasn't quite sure. So we just—I mean, I know you played off that way. So Jenny, you can—you can basically look at that. That the call, the play, the call is going to be called in to the linebacker, and yeah, no, there's no, going to no. be a signal sent in. No, I get it. No, I understand that. I understand those you things. You don't like that call? You can look over there and say, "Spags, no, we are not <laughs> running this." You call something else. Yes. I want to know who's going to do that in our defense because I think the the younger guys are like. This is Super Bowl team. Okay, okay. I'm like, this is the Chiefs. Like, let's calm down. Like, you can definitely be vocal. You can definitely be respectful and vocal. Uh, but you have to step up and be like, I don't feel that's right at some point. I agree with that. You know, I, but you know what it is? And, I, and this is what I love about them. Those guys feel like they can play with anybody. And they've been doing a great job. They really have, right? And so to them, it's just another challenge. It's another challenge. Now, I would say this, technique-wise, as far as him opening his hips and playing the way that he played, didn't really do a very good job, right? No, 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 no. I can't say he did a bad job. He was in position, turned his head at the right time. Dude just made an excellent play on the ball. That's what you got to give him credit. Give Jamar Chase credit for making a good play on the ball. No, I'm not Ward, taking credit. Ward turned and ran with him. Had, it was in his hip pocket for a second. So when he looked, when he looked, Chase got an extra step on him. That's when he went up over his head and caught the ball. For a in second. that situation, third and 27, you wouldn't even put uh, Ramsey to tell him to go up and press the guy uh, one-on-one for a third and 27 play. You don't do that to the best point in the league. Yeah, I just – yeah. I, look, I agree with you. It was just a bad call. I just uh, To me, when I looked at kind of the technique, Chase ran by him, right? Like you said, when he opened up, he ran – he was absolutely past him at that moment. If, look, if I know if I, I'm sitting over one-on-one, it's just me. I'm just saying this is me. I'm like, this has been run all over the field. You best believe I'm out of my back better right now. I'm open. I'm already opening up all the way, you know? So in I'm that just- situation, J.D., the offense already knows. So when that quarterback comes to the line of scrimmage, he can tell by when that safety moves or if they get a motion, whether it's 
man or whether it's zone. So if okay. you motion, huh? No, no, no you talk to so him. If you motion, yeah. if you motion and you see this guy comes down to, to go pr press man, there's two calls that's going to be a, a made from that from that receiver and that quarterback. If it's press, you're going to run a, a, a nine route. If he's off the if he's off the ball, you're going to run a slant and he's going to make whatever yards he can make off the run. It's automatic in every offense. It's a I, it's a I see you thing. I look at you. If it's pressed, I'm just throwing it up for grabs. If he's well, playing off coverage, exactly. You can't well, throw a, a pass. I don't care. Look, third and 27, you ain't running the slam route at that moment. You're not. You, it's, this is a, a straight down route. This is a go route, period, right? Now, you're not, not running. He's playing off. He's playing, if he's playing nine, ten yards off, you can't run a go route. Look, even you don't have time. Look, absolutely. Look, so here's the thing, right? I'm just offensively, okay, philosophy is this. If I'm running the slam, right? I don't care. It's not enough if, enough yards. You got somebody over in the middle, right, to come down to make the play. So if you, if you run that slant, it's 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 an all out blitz, JD. So you run a slant, you got to understand all out blitz. There's nobody else out there. The safety is already down. It's all out blitz. Now, all right, slant is big yard. I get it. You just got to make the tackle still. Why you got to make the tackle? So the thing is, I'm going over top. And so here's this. This is what offensive we thinking. Now, hear me out. This is what we're thinking. We're going the nine route because either there's one or two things can happen. Well, actually three. One is you don't catch the football. Number two, you get the deep route and catch it. Or number three, you're looking for pass interference. And that's what those guys actually was. They're trying to throw it to get pass interference. And so that's why you go the nine route. So Joe, but he's he's immediately know, first off, it's the matchup, right? I got Jamar Chase out here. Like you said, for Randy Moss, my best player, it's the matchup. So I know already, already I'm going deep route on this. Hopefully, on this deep route, I'm looking for the P.I. That, that's offensively, that's what you're thinking. That's exactly what you're thinking. It's not automatic you, you think that. It's not yeah. that you're going to slant on that. It's not. It isn't. It's just not. If I know it's third and 27. <laughs> okay, you talking to an offensive guy. I'm telling you, third and 27. I can call every offensive receiver that I know right now, and they'll tell you the same thing because the middle is wide open. There is nobody to stop you. But the guy can get the tackle, right? So if he plays off, right, you hit him you with get a the slant. tackle on the on, on nine route. You can't, but we're playing two two scenarios. Look, we're looking for two outcomes. I'm All right, me and you are calling our, our receiver friends after this is over with. We're going to move <laughs> on to the next. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? I mean, look, I coach receivers. I played offense. I've been offense coordinator. I'm telling you, right there at that moment, you have two options, okay? Throw the nine route, okay, so you can get pass interference. Or you get the deep ball and catch it. That's it. That's what you're looking for. And so when you know that our guys play aggressive, because we play aggressive out there at corners. And I think part of that is what bit us is because then you could throw the, the flags out on these guys because they are aggressive guys on the outside. And that's what I love about them because they are aggressive corners. I love it about them. That's why they got the confidence in doing that. But that, that one right there, Jamar Chase, that's a nine route all the way. It ain't no, it ain't no slant. We ain't calling no slant. Uh-uh. <laughs> We ain't doing this. All right, we go, we go. Let's, let's get on to the next. You got to get Grace back in. Hey, that's okay. I'm going along. I'm learning. I should be taking notes over here. And you'll have arguments with my dad. He's like, where did that come from? Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm going to pull this out. This is, this is a playbook. This old thick thing. No, it ain't too small. You ain't got enough plays in there. I'm going to sit here and say, all right, I go through all this ready list. That thing is too small. Put that. That's, that's an old Kentucky playbook. <laughs> Now, you see this? Does that say Kentucky? What does it say? Jay Dunn. Ooh, Jay. Like no, what are you talking about, buddy? What are you talking about? Come on, boy. I love it. That's shady secret stuff right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, the next concern, 
kind of sticking with this offensive uh, we're talking about right now. Um, so during that game, the first half of the game, it looked like the Chiefs offense two years ago. And uh, I was texting with a friend. Friend was like, this looks like the old, the old Chiefs. And then second half comes, and I'm like, it's looking like more of the second half of the season last year's Chiefs. You know, and a good, good example of that game uh, was uh, Tampa Bay, the regular season last year. We've, we've thrown like 24 points that first quarter of that game. Then the rest of the game kind of, you know, we, we, we wouldn't step on the neck, as he said. Scoring three points in the second half. I mean, what, what did you guys think of the, the play call in the second half? I mean, what, what was kind of going on? Look, I, I thought the play calling in itself was okay. I, I, I do. We just had to make the plays. We had to make the plays to get first downs. It was a couple drop passes, things we missed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about execution. It, it is, no doubt about it. So, I, I didn't really, you know, fault the guys. I mean, you just got to make the play. And that's what it is on offense. It's like quarterback is getting into that rhythm, right? You know, moving the chains. And so, you know, when you come away with three points, it's like, hey, God, like missed opportunity, missed opportunity. And so, you know, those guys, they, they know it kind of the second half. But I, if you're saying, uh, are you being more aggressive in the play call, the second half in itself? You know, when I'm looking over the, at the play call in the first half and then the second half in this, uh, I don't know. Relatively the same. <laughs> Got to be a playmaker. Get make plays, man. Period. That's it. Yeah, they were at least connecting in the first half. I felt like it was a lot more energy. We had a lot more momentum, and that can make or break a game. You know, the energy is all there. So not having that streamlined Mahomes that we usually have, I really don't think I can call it on the O line because I feel like he had enough time. It was just miscommunication. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, we we, we the plays were called. We didn't execute. Um, now, is there more, like you said, energy that that we get away from in the second half? It, it kind of seemed like it, you know, airs out of the tank for whatever reason. Um, to me, it doesn't just, it doesn't, we don't look as aggressive. You know, we, we don't look as hungry in the second half, um, you know, like we're trying to win. We just out there like we're coasting. We're not, we're not, we're not trying, we're trying not to get hurt, you know, because of, you know, whatever reason. So, uh, but that's just my 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 take on it, and so I would like to see more aggression. You know, when I watched the the Packers play that late the, the later game, they were up thirty points and still you know trying to score every time they get the ball. You know, that's that's the kind of team that that I that's the kind of offense that I know we have. That's the kind of team I know we have. Uh, but we don't we don't ever do that. And yes, there are times whether it's in the second half or the fourth quarter to where we kind of just you know take our foot off the gas and just you know kind of go into um, you know, what, what is it? Uh, airplane mode. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. running through the motions. It was very yeah, robotic almost. Yeah. And I mean, as a Chiefs fan, it's like where you, we've had those stats where it's like eight and no win streaks and like nine and oh, and then it's like, we know what happens after that. So knowing that we can go into Cincinnati, that's, I mean, that's a road game. It's not like we were playing at home and we're flat. I feel like there's a lot of factors in that. Kelsey just coming back off of the COVID list too. Um, you know, stretching himself back out, kind of feeling around. I think that definitely makes an impact. And, you know, if we weren't firing on all cylinders, it's going to be hard to get back in there the second half, especially when you don't open up with the ball. Uh, yeah, it's tough. The, the rhythm is, is so important. It is. And, and, and look, offensively, you know, when you're cold, you're playing in the cold, you know, the stadium, you know, the, the elements, all that go into it, that all those things are a factor. It really is. And so, you know, when we did have a chance to kind of go down, I, I don't think the guys, I wouldn't say they they necessarily took the foot off the off the pedal in a sense. I think, like he said, it's execution, right? If, they, if this play works, this guy catches this football, 
first down, we keep moving. It's just the rhythm of things, right? If you stall it out, man, then you sit down for a long time. Then the Bengals have it for a long time. Then, you know, you keep Patrick in cold. Yeah, and Darrell Williams had a hell of a game. He, he kept the ball going. They kept the, everything moving. It was yeah. just those few things that kind of fell apart. Right. And even Gore looked good, you know, in, in spelling uh, Darrell. Really? Um, yeah, uh, and it's one thing, because we kind of talked about last week where we haven't really played many high-powered offenses. I mean, we played Dallas. They were kind of they were kind of hurt. Um, their skills, the skill players were hurt. Uh, we played Packers. It was uh, Jordan Love, not Rodgers. I mean, this was kind of like, like a big test as far as uh, playing against an offensive like firepower team, you know, much much like ours. And I guess try to keep up the aggression with another offensive high, a firepower team. I mean, that's something that we kind of need to, need to stick with, especially a team like the Bengals who were up to score against the Ravens last week. They were still they were still scoring. They're up thirty last week against uh, Baltimore. So, sucker hit the five touchdown before you should know the game. Like, oh, okay, he's <laughs> for real. <laughs> They ain't laying down for you this week. It ain't gonna happen. So, yeah, I mean, and you know, and like Gracie said, you know, it's kind of a wake up call. You know, it's, at least it's happening now, not in the playoffs when it's you know when everything matters. Yeah, I was gonna ask, like, do you think the season length has anything to do with kind of like figuring out how to use their energy with a longer season and then playoffs or? I don't think you know, so. I never thought about that, but being 17 games or extended season, I I would hope not because still, you know, we haven't, we didn't, we didn't have it all locked up uh, before then. So now, like I said, we we're, we're kind of hoping that another team wins to help us out and we still got to go out and win it this weekend too. So um, could that have played a factor into the second half? Again, I kind of say we were on cruise control instead of just, you know, continuing to try to put up points. Um, but having to be in 16 week instead of 17 week or whatever, uh, you know, extra having an extra game add to the season, um, did it, did it play a factor in the saying, Hey, you know, we don't want to wear our guys out. You know, this is the first, first year we've gotten into this 17 week season. So, um, you know, we still have the playoffs to look forward to and we're hoping if we get this win even better because we get a bye week. So we do give that time to rest. So, um, you know, can we use this second half because we're, we're scoring so good in the first half to where we don't have to bring out the key plays to get us in the end zone or the key plays to get us uh, a field goal. Uh, so we can just run these basic, you know, like I call it, the cruise control plays just to get the ball moving. Yeah, see, I, I don't think it was cruise control plays at all in the second half. But also, too, I don't think it, an extra game, to be honest with you, is really a big deal. No, it's good. Look, these guys, we look, we, we know we, we get in shape all season long for these things and for the long haul. You know, we know the Chiefs are going to be playing in the playoffs. You, you know that. And so, um, you know, that extra game, guys ain't really thinking about it at all. As a matter of fact, like you said, it gives them even more incentive for them to win this game. Like he said, you know, to get that, that extra, you know, hey, look, <laughs> we coming to home. We got the bye week. We good. We got to win this one, though. We have to win this one. And so, uh, I know the coaches were thinking that, so I don't know. That that kind of loose kind of what was fast to say he thought it was third and six, and I'm I'm playing it like a third and six. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know. That's that's an interesting statement to make. It's interesting. You know what I, I hate? So so one of the rules that I kind of hate. So so say for instance, I'm man, I hate this invisible shit. It just got me. <laughs> Your smile swear. looks great, though. Yeah, you look like a bit of it, right? I'm slurring every fucking thing. Excuse my language. <laughs> um, so, like the third and twenty-six, 
and you get the 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 pass interference rule that's only a five yard uh pass that it all gives you five yards. I hate that it's an automatic first down when yet it's a five yard rule. You know, yeah. so if, if that's the case, they need I wish I know some of these rules is just old school and and, and kind of just overlapping into the years after years. Man, we that needs to be changed. Like hell, if, if, if I get it, it's a it's a foul. You know, but like if the offense commits a foul, it, it's they get the they get the five yards. So if the defense does the same thing, well shit, just make it a third and twenty-two instead of a first down, automatic first down. I hate that automatic first down just because it's a penalty. Well, you say defense defensive holding, you mean not not DPI. Well, no, they have the uh well, yeah, because that the pass interference is usually a spot foul. Spot so, foul, yeah. Yeah. But they have the so you can well, I guess it, it is a holding because that's what it's going to be after the five yards. Mm. So yeah, but even with that, I, I hate that it's automatic first down instead of just a five yard penalty. Offensive game, buddy. That's what that sells. Oh, team. I know. Yeah, <laughs> but the, but you, but you know, still that, that that's horrible. Yeah, it's yeah, a five yard call, but you make it an automatic first down. Yeah, gives a little bit too much power to the refs there. Third and thirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the uh, that, that that end of the game reminded me of when we talk about flashbacks of the uh, the the Chargers game on Saturday night a few years ago, where it just kept it just, they kept getting a first down at, at the one yard line, and they just kept getting the first down, and then Mike Williams ended up uh, was wide open in the, in the back corner of the end. So that, that that's what the flashbacks that I, I was getting goosebumps thinking about that game. Yeah. Um, okay, so our next our next concern. Um, this is more of a long term issue, um, but not a bad issue to to have. So. Obviously, we kind of talked about Orlando Brown had the uh, the calf injury right before the game, and then Lucas Niang went to left tackle, and he got injured. So he had to move Joe Thune over. And Thune, you know, he kind of played all over the – he was kind of like a Swiss Army knife in New England, you know, played all over the, the line. And that was kind of one of the benefits in signing him this past offseason. But he's been a badass uh, left guard for us. Uh, but he ended up playing left tackle, um, as he did once before with the Patriots, um, and he looked pretty good. I mean, we, we, our offense didn't really miss a beat. Um, so I guess the question is – you know, we, we traded for Orlando Brown this offseason. That was one of the big big deals for us. And he's a free agent this year. So now when we see a guy like Thune who, who came in and filled in for Orlando Brown, is it fair to say that Thune should be kind of looked at as our left tackle for next year instead of you know, automatically paying uh, Orlando Brown the big bucks next year in this, this coming offseason? I don't think he's worth the big bucks right now to me. Uh, you know, that was a big complaint that we had earlier with the uh, with some of our subjects is that the offensive line wasn't giving Patrick enough time. The offensive line was didn't have the chemistry. Well, right now, the offensive line is playing really, really good ball. You know, each and every individual on the line. And to take Brown out of the, the lineup, the guys still are doing well. And so that just goes to show the chemistry that they built throughout the weeks. And, and, and hell, they're so aggressive on the run plays. Um and it seems like I, I know I said a few weeks ago they they want to run the ball, but we're not a we're not a running team. We're a pass happy team. So they're uh, putting those guys in position to, to 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 block and to block downhill is what they want to do. And so I think that outside of our center, our guys are interchangeable all over the place. They and, and they've shown it, and they're doing it well. So um, you know, take your hats off to to them and the offensive line coach for for doing a, a, an excellent job. Crazy. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, the, it's it's fa- fascinating to me 
the O-line, how much you can switch out there. Um, I think Thune has a little bit shorter arms, and I think longevity-wise, it would be harder for him to keep up with that left tackle position. Uh, Orlando Brown obviously has a way better build for it. Um, I think we could look at our depth chart and kind of say, hey, what do we have out there? It's the Broncos. I'm not throwing any shade to them. Um, I do have a funny Drew Locke story from 810 Varsity when he fumbled the snap directly to him and I called him Drew Pop Lock and Drop It. So that has haunted <laughs> me my entire broadcasting career. Uh, I may have gotten sent to like Park Hill South after that one. So I don't know. Uh, I was a little bit benched after enough. that. Yeah, I liked it, but his parents thought it wasn't that great because it was like one of oh, his wow. big games is right after the Simone announcement and all that. I'm like, oops, my bad. Um, I really loved it for my highlight reel. But, you know, seeing that Thuni has that ability to fill in, I think it's great. Um, guard, I think he's built for more. Guard, we already have center covered, I feel like, but guard, I think, is where he stands. But I think if we pay Orlando Brown more, I don't know. I just want everyone to protect Patrick, and that's really my only goal at this point. Um, so seeing the differences and the difficulties we've had on O-line, seeing this being the most consistent O-line that we've had in a minute, especially with the injuries and not worrying about that this last game, that was kind of impressive to me. I think that that kind of shows how far we've come. So are you saying we should re-sign Brown? I don't think we should if that's going to be a huge uh, amount of money. I, think I feel like if we have something. Day. Yeah, that's huge. But I feel like Brett Veach is a wizard at this point. Like, I don't know what he does, but I know it's not socializing. And he just sits and, like, works all the time, I feel like, and just figures out how to move things around. Yep, we still got him. That's a big one. And that's what Twitter, Twitter has really been all over him this year. I don't understand that. Like, he's a very vocal player. He's yeah. very outspoken. And they, like, really rattle him up sometimes. It's wild. Yeah, they get under his skin. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can you, like, what was, I mean, I guess social media wasn't around, but, like, fan interaction-wise, did you ever let them get under your skin like that? With the fans, you don't because it's, you can easily block them out. Um, right. It's just the things that you can read, you know, or, or things yeah. that you hear. So if you read the newspaper, all right, this happened and that happened, like it, 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 it sticks because, you know, everybody else can see that you hear a fan in the stand that like, he can talk all he wants. Yeah. They're still paying to see you. So, yeah. Well, not even that. It's just you, you're never going to see that guy. You, you're probably. Gonna, so it, it's not it doesn't mean as much. But when it's written and you can see it there, kind of like the social media stuff. So I looked at let me. I'll go back on the subject what we was talking about. Um, I, I think Thune did a tremendous job, no doubt about it. Now, he was that was a temporary solution to a problem that existed, right? Uh, and Grace is absolutely right, 100%. And, and I was going to say that before she said it was, you know, Thune is is definitely a, a guard uh, kind of prototype. Like you said, didn't have quite long arms. Uh, but, you know, look, it, it, when they bought the Yangi and before he got hurt, you can see it, you know, the play he got hurt. It was really strange because he plays on the right, come over to the left, and how difficult it is. And so, of course, you know, that was just a, a, a good job with the offense, you know, the uh, the coaches sitting there saying, hey, you know what, let's move Thune out because that's what he's been doing his whole career. And that's the reason why you're paying the big bucks. This is the reason when the free agency had got this guy because of, you know, his ability, you know, to make those moves. And so he did a he did a a tremendous job moving out there to left tackle. But I, I think it's just, you know, just a temporary move in itself. Uh, I'll leave like as far as like the whole Orlando Brown being signed and stuff like that for later on, you know, I, <laughs> that, you know, cause I, I, you know, I, we talked about it and discussed some things. Uh, so I don't think it's fair to talk about it at, at, as, at length right now, 
But as far as what, what Thune did against him, I mean, just a it, pro bowl guy, high free agent pick. I mean, that's that's what you pay a guy like that for. And so uh, there's other guys out there that, that's that's you know that we have on the line that could probably come out there and probably help out. But hopefully, you know, these guys get healthy uh, at the right time to come back and you know to help out. But Thune just going out, man, hats off to him. And, and but that, like I said, that's what we pay this guy for. That's why I just say, like, look, we pay this guy a lot of money. First, like, hey, okay, for a guard? But no, you're getting more than that. You're getting a guy who, you know, like you said, you could you could put him in any slot and just do a, a, a tremendous job. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, not, not taking anything away from Creed, but also, too, when you have a, a Pro Bowl guard beside you, that helps out. That Without a doubt. That helps out, like, you know, Creed in his first year sitting there is like, oh, Thune's helping him out. He, he knows that. He knows he's getting a lot of help because I'm, I'm just watching O-line play, you know, how they do, you know, double teams, you know, the talking and the passing off, you know, as far as stunts and whatnot, you know, Joe knows it. And so when you have a guy like that, man, it, it makes everybody else better. So uh, hats off to Joe Thune, man, for his, his play. Yeah. Great job. I know we'll, we'll probably pick up, like, like you said, J.D., we'll pick up on that conversation uh, in the offseason. I know that'll probably be a big uh, hot topic for us. Um, but all right, so uh, we're going to move into uh, week 18, the first week 18 NFL history. Um, so game picks, everyone's favorite uh, part of the show. Uh, so this Saturday, obviously everyone knows our Chiefs game got flexed to Saturday, 4.30, um, 4.30 Eastern Standard Time on uh, ESPN and ABC, I believe. Uh, Chiefs, the line's kind of uh, fluctuating from 9 to 10.5 points right now. Before it came on, it was 10.5. So the Chiefs are currently a 10.5 point favorite at Denver this week. What are your score predictions and who do you have? Gracie? You get the, you're the guest of honor, so you go get to go first. My go-to is Chiefs by a hundred, and I realize that that's not realistic. Uh, my go-to is always it can happen. It can happen. It's the Broncos. Uh, I love nothing more than LA being uncomfortable. It's the greatest thing. It's so much fun to watch when they pan to the camera at him at Arrowhead. He just looked like he was so angry to to be there, and so I hope we get more of those moments. Um, I really believe it's going to be a fun game to hopefully see a little bit of our depth chart and see what we have uh, because we're going to be so far ahead. Um, I think something along 38-17. I feel like we can have somewhat of a fun game, let them out there a little bit, but not let, let's not get too crazy. JD? E, JD? <laughs> I guess I didn't uh-huh. pick the winner. I, I mean that the Chiefs are going to win. So I'll wrap that up real quick. Sorry. That's always assumed. It's oh. always assumed. On the show. Good. Go. Good. So I think 31 to 24. I, that's only because I think that when they, I think we're going to be up enough in the fourth quarter to where we're going to give the, you know, a lot of the backup guys uh, some rep. And they probably will get a couple of scores there at the end. So I, I think, like Gracie said, we're going to have a, a marginal lead, pretty, pretty good sized lead. Uh, before we start taking some guys out. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, 35-21. And I, and I believe what, what we're trying to do is <clears throat> let everybody know, like, look, we missed a moment last week, and we're not going to – look, we're not going to let that happen again. And so we're going to let you know we're going to be firing on all cylinders. We're going to come out humming. We're going to come out humming. And I know the defense wants to get after them, of course, from giving up that from this past week. You know what they weren't able to do. So I, I do like Grace when you said the seventeen, uh, but I, I'm gonna say twenty-one, just because it's up there in, in in Denver. They don't play fair. You know they get a lot of calls up there. If you think the flags are bad in Cincinnati? Huh? Wait till we play up in Denver. Y'all know that. Shoot, just the history of it. There's gonna be a whole lot of you know flags flying around. 
But I think these guys are going to be ready for it, man, to just kind of you know, make the statement, let everybody know, like, look, we're upset with this. But now there's no doubt what we want to be able to do. And I think the best thing you could possibly do is the last game of the season, like you said, found on all cylinders, but let everybody know, look, we put everybody on notice. This is where we're going to start at. We're going to finish with the Super Bowl. On all these points, but defensively, we're going to hold everybody under 21 points and less. So that's what I'm Chiefs. Yeah, so what's your favorite part about the doing the show? We have the Kansas City Public Network, and there's all sorts of podcasts all over the place. We have anything from arts and entertainment to men's mental health and gaming. So we really like to cover all aspects. I have been benching my content in order to help boost some other people for the last year or so. So I get to put out a lot more content now. Um, I'm very, very family-centric, very close to my parents. So a cooking show with my mom here and there. My dad has some crazy stories uh, from his life that I want to document. I really just believe in the power of storytelling. So getting to know people's stories, anywhere from my pest control guy, whose dad used to be a jazz uh, saxophone player at the River Market down in the days where it's like Italian mafia wars down there. I sat there and talked to him for an hour one day and it wasn't like a podcast or anything, but those are the type of interactions and random conversations I've had over the years where I just have this very obscure collection of people at any time. You could be like, do you want to talk about this? I want to learn more about this. So really the learning and the hearing people's stories, I think it's really therapeutic for people to talk about what they've been through and to share their stories especially older very, people that very true and it's it's so important to hear those stories now because i think we've all kind of lost connection and the sense of community with this pandemic and being distanced from each other and i was working with a lot of people uh at the time the pandemic hit right around march 2020 that were you know really scared of what was going to happen in the media landscape and i'm like we're on the same playing field like good morning america has to use skype like why aren't we breaking out and doing something big and i think that's the biggest thing is that if you're going through rough stuff find a way to come out on top of it and and really like conquer that and the best way to do it is talking about it it might be therapeutic and if you you know don't want to talk to a therapist get a mic and a soundboard and you know just go from there and i think a lot of people don't know the value of conversation anymore it's arguing it's uh having to be right it's having to take a hot take i worked with so many people that had hot takes for the sake of having them and i'm like what is wrong with you do you realize that there's a person on the end of that um, when they say stupid things that uh, would never come out of somebody's mouth that was a rational human, they just wanted to get a reaction out of people. I worked yeah. with that in the radio space. And knowing that there's not always a need to have a take is a huge thing too. And so that's what I love about working with creatives that have already been doing this. All of our people do everything remotely on their own. They bring a sense of community in when we all kind of like help each other out, share stuff and interview each other on the network. But finding your kind of community and finding your group of people that really amplify your strengths instead of limit you. That's a big key. And I have incredible business partners. I work with mostly men and I can say that I feel more protected and more like I have a backbone than when I was forced to be this blazing trail female of the only one doing this. I have more camaraderie now because people respect what I've been through in the industry and what I'm trying to do. And what I'm trying to do is give back to the community and give more amplification to the voices in Kansas City. That's dope. Love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. That, you're doing, that, that's God's work right there. Hey, that's trying. Good. I'm trying. <laughs> when you, when you, yeah, and I tell the guys, you know, because I don't have the best memory, you know, and, and it's hard for me to remember where I put my keys at some days. <laughs> but, you know, since Mark has got us all involved in the show, man, it, it helps me so much because it's, 
shit, my days aren't the best. You know, I, I have down times and, and, I, and I, I always look forward to the show. It helps me to, you know, remember some of the my glory days uh, of playing out in, in, in Arrowhead. So uh, I enjoy it. I, lo I love each and every one of these guys. And again, thank you for coming on. And shit, if we can get you on again. Let's do it. I'm here anytime. So thank you guys for having me. And I can't wait to hear more of there's like a huge list of women that are like, excuse me, I would like to talk about football. Are you kidding? <laughs> My DM is flooded right now with women. I love it. And then Johnny's gets in on it and they're like, you need to get these people and these people. I'm like, look, this is incredible to have that kind of feedback. But that's what Chiefs fans absolutely treasure when they have those interactions and the ability to uh, voice their opinions because everybody wants to be heard. Yes. Nah, man, listen, look, thank, thank you for what you do, seriously. And I'm about to look into the network even more because, like, what you were just talking about, uh, like he was saying, you know, people want to relate. And sometimes, like you said, we lost that bit of community. And like you said, we're now the social media and whatnot. We just don't communicate like we used to anymore. And that's that's really kind of a lost art, you know, to sit back and just understand the depths and the layers of each individual. Right. Because sometimes it isn't a soundbite. And look, if you're looking at me just for the soundbite in itself, I don't know anything about you. And I'm I'm, I'm just judging you on just say one soundbite. Then I've done you, a, you know, injustice by doing that. So now hats off to you, Gracie. Appreciate it so much, you know, coming on the show. Uh, definitely love to have you on. And, and like you said, we need to get just some more, you know, just fans and stuff out of here communicating and talk about these things because we have a lot of stories we want to talk about too. We, we love the fans and interaction on this. We love it. You know, did a great job tonight. I, I, you know, one, yeah, some of the guys, some of the guys come on, they get nervous. Like they don't. Oh yeah. Good old country certain... boy. I saw him from, I was watching and I'm like, that dude's amazing. I met him at so many tailgates and he's like, Hey everyone. Yeah. I'm like, who is that? <laughs> like what, what's going on with that? Well, you told him to loosen up and he did a little. So I love yeah. it. <laughs> And that's uh, for everyone out there. That's Kansas City Public Network, KC, KCPN. Yes, yes. KCPN. And it's KC Public Network. Um, you can find it on all the platforms. And then mine is at KCGAT, which GAT is my initial. So that's what people call me. But I'm, I'm going with Gracie now that I'm growing up a little bit. <laughs> and you're, you're an amazing follow on Twitter, right? I, I, oh, thank you so much. It's retweeted all the time, and it's like, okay, this is amazing that we had you. I on. mouth off a lot. That's how I got here. So here we are. <laughs> I believe the word. I believe the word was sassy. Everyone kept calling you sassy. Oh God, <laughs> what a title! Keep doing it. Keep <laughs> thank doing you. It. Seriously. All right, guys. What well, does it for us? Thanks for tuning in. Chief concerns presented by Bet Online. Gracie, again, it was awesome having you on. We're definitely going to have you on again. We're gonna we're gonna keep you in our roll of decks. Play a nice Look forward day. to it. Happy New Year. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Grace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.